Happy Tuesday, and thanks for returning uh, to the Into the Night Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, uh, different teams of Movies by Minutes podcasters talk about the 1985 John Landis comedy thriller, Into the Night. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane, of the Airport Minute, the 007 Minute, the Apollo 13 Minute, and the Rocketeer Minute. And I'm Hal Bryan of pretty much just the Rocketeer Minute, although I've been known to sit in here and Yes, there. yeah. Frequent guest on other ones, but yes. good. But, yes. Wow. Beloved uh, character actor, Hal <laughs> Bryan. Hal <laughs> Bryan. I look forward to your appearance on BoJack. Yes. So. <laughs> Uh, but we uh, we are already back in in the second minute. Who'd have thought we'd, we'd survive this this long? And we are going to be deep. This is a credit heavy minute, and uh, and we're still you know number one on the runway. Uh, That's excellent. Yeah, as we're as we're rolling out. Now, how many how many episodes are there ahead of us? What's the runtime? One hundred and fifteen minutes. I so, think so. Yeah, yeah. Something so like that. So, we're, all right. We're taking them down. Oh, yeah, we're, yes. We've almost done one percent of the movie. Yes, one point so. one down at this uh, at this moment. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we're still we're still we're still rolling down the runway. We get our uh, we we get the the two names above the goal uh, ab, ab, above the goalpost. No, two <laughs> names ab, uh, above the title, which is a, an right. important place to be. Uh, the, right. the, of course, the principals in this movie, uh, Jeff Goldblum and uh, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, who uh, we're going to uh, be seeing an awful lot of in the rest of this movie. And again, uh, that awful uh, that awful font, that just yeah, bleh, and. And the this all lowercase, you know, sort of E.E. E. Cummings homage, just that yeah. doesn't do it for me either. It's no. a little too a little too cute, right? But this is but before again, everybody had uh, you know true type fonts and all that. Exactly, better this than Comic Sans, I suppose. <laughs> yes. I think that was the only thing that was available to uh, right. Uh, or actually, well, this is let's see, it's nineteen eighty five, so Windows is just coming out. Um, yeah, early uh, Windows One is is pretty new, if I'm thinking yeah. if I'm thinking correctly. Yeah, so, so maybe they're doing this on Mac or something. I just that the Mac had been out for a year now, so yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just very annoying. The, the reason, the funny thing is, uh, the name above the title is a very uh, hard fought for thing by agents to get your name in front of a, a movie's title. It it, it it specifies a lot of prestige. And John Landis, since he was he had final cut of this movie, he could put whatever he wanted to in the movie, and he just decided. These two newcomers, relative newcomers, Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer, he decided to put their names above the titles. When he did that, uh, the universal, you know, legal people went berserk because, it, like, sometimes it can imply that they get a cut of the film and stuff. But none of that was oh, in really? a contract. But uh, Landis, in a, if, if by the way, if you ever get the Blu-ray, it's a great place to uh, get some of these special features. Landis talks about how he decided they did such hard work on the movie, he's going to put their name above the title, and he fought Universal and won. Uh, and so it's it's the way it is here in the in the film, and that's that's the kind of power you get after you have you know the Blues Brothers and uh, Animal House uh, in your right. belt. Uh, so now, how much power would you say uh, Into the Night added to uh, to John Landis's quiver? <laughs> that was kind of kind of sad. This was a break even movie, and uh, it didn't. It didn't exactly fail, but uh, it was no. It's the one that everybody forget. It, it's the reason nobody's seen this movie. It's kind right. of it, it didn't work. It didn't work very well. Um, I haven't seen it on any streaming services, so I don't. I don't think the people that run Netflix or uh, or Hulu even care about it. It is. Uh, it is available on Amazon Prime, but it's uh, either for rent or purchase. Yeah. Um, 
So when I uh, uh, I watched my copy via uh, Stars, actually. Ah, okay. So, so if you're a Stars uh, subscriber and you would like to see this movie that we're talking about, hopefully it's the, still on. It's yeah, <laughs> hopefully by the time this airs, or you know, when you're listening to this, when you have when you found a, some weird USB thumb drive and the radioactive rubble in the year 2300, <laughs> and for some reason it has this podcast on it. What are they talking about? What movie is this? Yes. So it's, uh, yeah, hopefully you, know, you can get away from watching the Office reruns on Netflix and, and switch over to Stars. Right. Uh, we're, we're still on that, that runway at LAX, and I noticed that they are, they, they make the second turn off here of those bright green lights that seem to be going off to the left. Right. And you notice how it's not, uh, you know, a lot of airports, certainly smaller airports, you know, and, and general aviation friendly airports where I do most of my flying, taxiways. Usually, not always, but usually at basically 90 degrees, you know, just like streets are laid out. But you notice this one's a nice gentle turn, and that's because it's a high-speed high speed turnoff. So you don't have to slow down nearly as much. You don't have to slam on the brakes, and it gets an airplane sort of clear of the runway area faster. Yeah. You know, and I'm looking at my uh, LAX airport uh, diagram. I am about 99% sure. So we're on 2-4 right, we decided, and it looks like that is... Uh, high-speed taxiway, or the high-speed turnoff to taxiway Alpha Alpha. And so, of course, we use the phonetic alphabet, everything, all the taxiways have letters, and Alpha Alpha means that we ran out and had to start over. This is number 27. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It is. uh, If they had made the the turnoff prior, so this is high-speed turnoff one, which takes you on to Alpha Alpha. If they'd made the previous one, which confusingly is high-speed turnoff two that would have put them on taxiway zulu so. oh okay so it's, it's kind of the, the the numbering system is built to go the other direction so we're landing <laughs> yes which is yeah. which is sort of strange though because of course if you were landing you know landing the other direction if you were landing on uh, uh six left which is the other end of two four right then you know you that would be a it's, uh, it's like a 160 degree turn or something so that those high speed turnoffs would do you no good. But there is one uh, further down uh, taxiway Yankee has a high speed turnoff if you're going the other direction. OK, yeah, I, I do notice I, something I didn't know until I watched this movie that there's a uh, as you run out of runway, the the little lights embedded in the runway start turning red because you're. Yes. <laughs> you're to the end. So yes, it's kind of like were... the, the wrong way sign on a highway. <laughs> exactly. <They're... laughs> Which. Inevitably, all I can think of is planes, trains, and automobiles. You're going the wrong way. How does he know which way we're going? <laughs> yeah, but anyway. it's, it's uh, I, and the other thing that I, I I think I'm right about this the uh, this can't be very late at night because if you're landing late at night at uh, at LAX, you have to come in from the ocean, so you would have to be coming in on runway six. Oh yeah, almost almost certainly for noise abatement purposes, that would be the case. Yeah, um, unless the winds were uh, really really strongly favoring the other direction, we always land into the wind where possible. Yeah, um, but uh, but that would make yeah that would make sense. Yeah, of course looking. you know could have been it, it could have been stock footage from you know earlier in the winter or something like that. And sure, yeah, just a fascinating little bit. At least at least we get some airplane time in here in, yes. <laughs> in the movie, as is our want. Now I can relax. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna get into well. The only other scene in this in this film is the uh, the ubiquitous uh, used car displays in in California. I mean, the Miracle Mile and all that. 
it's it's a car culture as can be seen in everything from you know american graffiti to uh well every other every other chase scene in in california is involving a right. involving a car so it starts with cars and uh it looks like the finest of 1980 merchandise there uh yellow dots and trucks and and all kinds of things at the used car dealership and and just a lot of tinsel hanging up above yes just to really class up the joint. Yeah, That's... really. Get, get eye catcher. Yes. <laughs> Nothing says quality like shredded foil. <laughs> and uh, and the, the giant sign that says used cars and trucks in the background, just in case you couldn't figure out that all those used cars and trucks were right. <laughs> what they were. Yes. Uh, Although off to the uh, you know off to the right of the screen, sort of in the background, you just just that neon Chevy logo, and then oh a, yeah, the bow tie, used cars yeah. and truck. That's uh, at this at this point in '85, that was probably just sort of looking dated, but to me now it just looks like, you know, classic, maybe early '60s. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe even older maybe than that. 50s, sort of, yeah. yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, a hint of googie to it. It's just cool. It would be hanging in the roof of a Fuddruckers somewhere or a Hard Rock Cafe. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a kind exactly. of a. It has that kind of feel, but be- yeah, beautiful ne- uh, neon. Uh, again, another sign of California culture. Right. Well. Well, let's scroll back and, and look at some of these, uh, uh, the names that are, the people that are involved in this movie. Oh, um, you, you just want to make me look at that font again. <laughs> yes. yes. You mustn't look. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, don't did look I make at the, the, don't e. the Cummings screen. joke already? I think yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I think you, yeah, it, it's, it's very much, uh, looks like it's written by a cockroach. So, uh, yes. the, uh, well, we, we talked a little bit about the, the two names above the title, uh, Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer, relative unknowns at the time. We're going to talk a little bit more about them in the minutes to come, but uh, Jeff was, his most notable screen credit before this was he was one of the people in The Big Chill. I mean, he's just kind of the guy on the corner. And uh, uh, Landis uh, was was considering some of the people in that, and he couldn't, I mean, the reason that Jeff Goldblum is in this was he couldn't get Kevin Klein, he couldn't get William Hurt. He, <laughs> you know, he, just, he just went down the list and was like, yeah, well, what about this guy Goldblum? here's the weirdest thing. The original Jeff Goldblum character was going to be played by, hold your, hold on to your table or whatever you're sitting in. um, (laughs) Gene Hackman. Really? Yeah. Gene Hackman was, was almost ready to go. And, uh, the universal people said, nah, nah, he's not right for the part. Go find somebody else. How close are they in age? I mean, I, I, not not very, I was going to say it's, I, I feel like I might be a little bit surprised, but, uh, Gene Hackman has always carried himself as older. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this is 1985. He had to have been in his like late 50s or early 60s, I would think. Right. So let's see. Uh, okay, at the time of this film, Je- uh, Jeff Goldblum would be 33. He was born in 52, or the time the film came out anyway. Yeah. Uh, ignore the clickety-clack of me thinking your, really hard those, in the background. Those are your brain cells, yes. Those, those are brain cells. It's not Google. Shut up. The relays are uh, snapping together, yeah. <laughs> As I remember how to spell Gene Hackman. Okay, yes. Gene Hackman was born in 1930. So he would wow. have so been... Wow, yeah, 50, 55. 55 when the, when the film came out. So yeah, I love Gene Hackman, and he always seems timeless. I just... I, I Now I need to go back and find something uh, new... That he or something he was in when he was young, just to just to see. I mean, even like Poseidon Adventure is probably the first thing I remember him in. Yeah, that would be seventy three. Uh, you know, in the seventy two, seventy three. Yeah, yeah. And, and then and, French uh, Connection, French Connection seventy one. Yeah. Think. So, so, but even then, he was forties. He was in his late thirties. 
and it yeah. looks like his first big thing was uh, uh, Bonnie and Clyde when he was 37. Right. So yeah, yeah, in 1967. So wow, uh, yeah, and uh, you know, as this as another missed, I and mean, we always talk about recharacterizing. You know, like Tom Selleck would have been Indiana Jones and stuff. But the most surprising thing with me about Gene Hackman was he was the first choice that Sherwood Schwartz had for Mike Brady. <laughs> it was going wow. to be Florence Henderson and, and Gene Hackman. And, and except for the fact that he had gotten a job doing, uh, they were about to film uh, French Connection and he, he had to turn it down. That is another one that is hard to picture. You could tell me he was also, you know, in the lead for Luke Skywalker. <laughs> I'd nod and say, no, I can't, I can't quite picture oh, that one either. Really? You know, the... he was going to be Cleveland Little in uh, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, um, weren't yeah. we all? Yeah. Oh well. So, and funny you mentioned, you know, he he wanted to get Kevin Klein and and couldn't get him, and that made immediately makes me think of uh, well, you know, who did get him, which was Phoebe Cates. Yes. Um, so, all yeah. all hail Phoebe Cates. Uh, um, and of course, uh, as uh, as you watch this film and you play uh, you play director Bingo, uh, Amy Heckerling, who yes. uh, directed uh, Fast Times, Ridgemont High. Yeah, is in be, it as a waitress. So be coming up and, and did, a, did a pretty adequate job. <laughs> I have a feeling that uh, if you're looking for some sort of, you know, six degrees kind of thing, if you made it into this movie, you're pretty well set. Yeah, I'm surprised you know? Kevin Bacon isn't in the movie. It's just kind of surprising. Yeah, and not to, uh, you know, no spoilers, but at the very, very end of the movie, you know, since we're in minute two here, um, there's a page over a PA for a, a Frank, like it's like Osnowski, and it it's I didn't think I don't think it was exact, but it sounds a lot like Frank Oz's real name, oh, who okay. is the one director that I don't think is in this uh, yeah in this I, movie, I but I seems so seen, surprising. We will get to um, Henson though. Henson is out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and, uh, and Rick Baker and everybody else. Yeah, Frank. Oh, it, so Frank Oz's real name was Osnowitz, and. Uh. That might be what the that page might be is. What, so yeah. So anyway, listen, so listen who, on ahead. It's, it's yeah. Always, so whoever's got that minute, hopefully they'll pick up on that. Yeah, and this is a great this is a, a great movie for doing these these minute movies uh, right. reviews because it's there's so much uh, depth to go to. So we get past the Into the Night, and uh, Into the Night was just the name on the on the script. So Landis couldn't think of a better one for it, so he just went with it. And that's always and a good sign. Universal hated the name; they wanted something else, but. Uh, yeah, he said no, and they went with this. So. Uh, you know, um, on a completely unrelated note, since that's what we do, yep. but, um, when, uh, so my background, I worked at, at Microsoft for about 15 years and was uh, in and around the games division for a lot of that time. Uh, the uh, Nobody in a million years ever thought that the Xbox would be its final name. Wow. Uh, for, the, for the game console. Uh, it was just, they needed a code, they needed a quiet code name, and... Um, that, that, that was the placeholder. <laughs> that was absolutely the placeholder. It's, you know, it's like we're making this game box. We just put, call it, put X on it. And, and it was that, nobody it was that, it was that ever had to, that in mind. It was that close to being TBA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By yeah, the could TBA. have been just, yeah, yeah. just by the TBA. So, so anyway, wow. Wow. you never know um, with working titles. Yeah, go figure. Wow. It, well, speaking of titles, let's get to the first name below the title. Uh, one of my favorite uh, character actors, he's... He's in a bunch of things, and uh, you know, Sally no longer with us, but uh, Richard Farnsworth uh, plays a, a rich, uh, uh, not a tycoon, but he just seems to be the, the man behind the, the man behind the curtain. He just he he's uh, 
the deus ex machina of this movie yeah. uh richard farnsworth i i can't think of anybody better to be if you want somebody that's avuncular and just sweet you know you see him on screen and you never picture him as the bad guy right um, i i really enjoyed him uh playing opposite wilford brimley in the natural i think that's my favorite uh my favorite role for him I hope my mustache can grow up someday to be Richard Farnsworth's mustache. He just really knew how to rock a mustache. And you know something I hadn't realized about uh, about Farnsworth, but uh, uh, having lived in my uh, you know a good thirty year chunk of my life in the Pacific Northwest, is we knew him out there best for the uh, the Olympia beer ads because <laughs> Olympia beer you know used artesian water now. For those who don't know, if you're not from that area, Olympia beer is best used as slug bait. Yeah. It's uh, it's not something you put in your body under yeah. any any uh, but the most dire circumstances. But they they had this whole ad campaign that was kind of clever, where they were uh, they talked about the use of pure artesian water, and and Farnsworth had this recurring recurring role in these ads where he was a guy who who swore that he he spotted a real artesian once. <laughs> and he was always uh, sort of on the hunt for these artesians that made this water that then they put into this awful quote unquote beer. Wow. Yes. Yeah. The, um, you know, the phrase I always heard about, it, it was like making love in a canoe, but, um, <laughs> I don't, you, you can, kids, you can go out and find the answer to that one. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, I would, I would, uh, append that with the phrase by yourself. Yes. <laughs> yes. With mom's permission. No. Uh, um, but we get we get past the uh, Richard Farnsworth, and then next in the uh, panoply of uh, of stars is Arani uh, Pappas, who uh, my association with her is always just looking fearful through most of uh, Guns of Navarone. I mean, she's oh right, she is. If you want a Greek actor, actor, she's uh, she's the woman, she's the go to, and had an incredibly long career. Um, but I'll just remember her and Gregory Peck, you know, trying to blow up those uh, those cannons. Of course. Um, I was very disappointed when I turned like I think I think it was like ten years old when I found out that there was no place called Navarone and there were, <laughs> was there really wasn't a radar controlled cannon base in Greece and uh, it then, just kind of disappointed me. Well, then where did uh, Harrison Ford's Force Ten even come from? Yeah, exactly. It just really uh, there's well, this is the war that they don't want us to know about. That's um, what it is. No, nobody yeah. ever fought. Yeah. It's always Normandy and never the Greek campaign. So um, right, that's what they want you to think. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, you know, I mean, it, and it, Navarone had the, there's a, there's a trope in all uh, German, uh, you know, war, war movies, war movies about the German high command and German uh, tactics. They always have a cave and the cave is full of these um, uh, computers. And so, you know, they're like 1960s computers <laughs> right. in the forties and they're all blinking lights and, and there's guys manning them and uh, yes. throwing switches and stuff like it's the time tunnel or something. And, and it, like, what were they doing? What were all these people doing and how many people did you need to control a cannon? <laughs> right. so it was, um, yeah, it was always puzzling, but it never had a bunch of classic, uh, I always think of Nazi time tunnels. So, um, <laughs> Nazi time tunnels. Anyway, Irene, I'm sorry about you know not talking too much more about your. She she was you know a long line of things. She had a lot of great. She was in a lot of uh, swords and sandals movies. And uh, my sure. my wife is my wife is currently finishing up a, uh, a course on Greek mytho- uh, 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 Greek mythology in the movies, and uh, uh, they teach this in college now. So um, she I think she was watching Electra the other day and. Uh, uh, Arani was in it, so this, she, if you want to really? see lots, lots of good, uh, you know, stuff by Escalus and, and all, all them, 
you know, that's pretty much cinema pappas. And we're talking the uh, early '60s Electra, not the uh, the Jennifer Garner, uh, no, yeah, uh, Frank yeah. Miller comic book character. Uh, although Electra. I would like, I would now like to see that. <laughs> I I would watch that today. Wow. Yes. Does she have a, oh. a yeah a, a blind lawyer boyfriend? Um. <laughs> well, next next on the list next uh, is uh, the lovely Catherine Harold, who um, gosh, she doesn't. I mean, she gets to play kind of dopey dumb in this. She's uh you know a silly actress in a she's she's in a movie that's like a combination of kojak and uh columbo and it's called um i've forgotten the name of it now it's kalajak is the name of the is the name of the the movie that she's in and uh there's a you know a maniac gunman who takes her hostage well i don't want to spoil the movie for you watch the rest watch the rest of the movie but there's a, a maniac maniac gunman and i i just uh dug up where i know her uh uh, where I know her from probably best personally, and that's she was with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Raw Deal. Yes, yes. And, and I remember the, the taglines for that, you know, the system gave Schwarzenegger a raw deal. Nobody gave Schwarzenegger a raw deal. <laughs> <laughs> that way they were just phoning it in. I, I can't imagine yeah, that she, anybody who worked on that movie even remembers anything she, about it. But She gets teamed up with odd boyfriends through the through, through all uh, of her career. Um, I, the one that I know her from, I went to uh, uh, a pre-screening of a movie with her and Albert Brooks called Modern Romance. It was a very funny movie and she was she's she plays a very good straight woman to uh, Albert Brooks's, you know, constant state of uh, anxiety and sure. Um, and uh, and, that, and the funny thing is she she well it's not funny good for her she got out of the acting biz and she is now a uh, a licensed psychotherapist out in uh, really I think in Washington State I may be wrong about that but uh, wow. but yeah she uh, parlayed her acting career and uh, turned it into a certificate of uh, of psychotherapy so uh, hooray for Catherine Harold yeah good for her here's a name that's familiar to uh, all you kids who watched uh, Saturday morning TV or if you're old like me uh, Monday night TV after laugh and Paul Mazursky uh, who plays a doorman in this uh, in this movie Paul Mazursky is known as the uh, the brains behind the monkeys and uh, he, he oh, right he was producer of that you'd see his name at the end when you know when uh, Davy Jones is turning upside down in different still pictures <laughs> he uh uh, I love his, my favorite movie of his was uh, Eating Raul, if you've ever seen a, <laughs> a great, you know, Sweeney Toddish uh, modern retelling. Eating Raul is a, is a great film, and uh, I, I can't say, I, I don't want to spoil any of that. Please just go and watch Eating Raul and uh, prepare to have your just mouth wide open for most of the movie. And he, and his wife, he and his wife did a great job uh, making that movie. Then uh, we come up with uh, the wonderful Vera Miles, and uh, to me, her her iconic role was uh, M- uh, Marion Crane's sister in Psycho. She's the oh, one that. That's right. She's the one that is standing with John Gavin as they they notice a piece of paper in a toilet that says, "Oh, it's it's part of you know." It says like I think it was uh, twenty eight, and that's part, that that number exactly matches the number of uh, the the dollar amount of the money she stole. This means she was here. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> Just a bit of a stretch. Yeah, and uh, then she almost gets killed by. Uh, well, I, you know, I don't want to spoil Psycho, although I I may have told this story on another podcast. They in Portugal. They didn't have a word for psycho. There was no uh, Portuguese equivalent of psycho. So when it, the, the movie Psycho was released in uh, Portugal, they renamed it The Man Who Thought He Was His Mother. 
<laughs> well, it's kind of like Rosebud the sled, but uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's from On uh, the Nose Productions. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then we get to uh, Roger Vadim, creator of both Jane Fonda and Barbarella. Right. Yeah. Directed Barbarella, that which I remember seeing at a, a sci-fi convention when I was uh, twelve or thirteen or something, maybe a little bit on the young side for a movie like Barbarella, and it. And Change at your this life. point, <laughs> it, 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 it did not actually no. <laughs> in any big way. But I, what I remember most about that was how at that time, you know, the sci-fi convention was booked into this hotel, but like little movie screenings and stuff, this was, you know, these were not Comic-Con level events by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. This was just, you know, us nerds were still just nerds at that point. You want to go see, hey, we're doing a screening of this movie. It's in room you know, two seventeen at one p.m., and you just you get about six people into a hotel room. So here's here I am with a room full of strangers watching this odd movie. With, with thankfully, my buddy Eric was there. But um, yeah, it it was definitely. I mean, it again, like all French comic books, it it, it definitely had that um the the feel the feel of this is not like a regular old American movie. And uh, right, you know, I I and I, I I still get the feeling when you watch the French the Fifth Element. You know, it's like oh well, this is what this is how. You know, it's just it, you're you're in an odd world, right. and Vadim captured it pretty well. The other, uh, the '70s, growing up and thinking about Roger Vadim was it was just constant fist bump with him because he was married to um, Jane Fonda, and then he was married to um, Ursula Andress, and then he was married oh, to Bo man. Derek, and it was just like, wow, that's really amazing. Really? And then all of, it it hit me is that he could he couldn't live with any of them, so it's, it's like what. Nope. A, so perhaps, yeah, perhaps the problem is uh, is not the women. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he does a, he does a really good job as a, a would be villain in this. I thought he uh, he comes across as a, a bit of a um, Martin Landau in uh, uh, North by Northwest kind of a guy. He oh, just right. seems yeah. evil and rotten and stuff. But um, well, anyway, don't don't spoil. No spoilers. But uh, Roger Vadim, good good guy to watch out for as a bad guy in this. Clue Gulliger, I only knew him. I I really only knew him from this movie. I don't know if you have a favorite uh, of his, but um. the, as soon as I saw the name, it it registered. But I was you know struggling to think of. Uh, of he's one of those guys that you're sure you've seen before, but then you you know try to figure out where. And I know he was in, I think every western TV series in the what, like yeah. 50s, early 60s, or something like that. So like the Virginian and things. I don't think what else, you know, what else I would have really known him from. He's just one of those guys who's got this miles and miles of credits. Yeah, he, I mean, I when I picture him, I picture him on a horse, and that's about it. And I don't, you know, right. like, I, I don't I, I don't have a specific, like, oh, that's where he was from. But it's like, I picture he's like, you know, it's like like seeing Richard Boone. You go, oh, Richard Boone's on a horse. And that, that's the only way I picture him in here. I was just going to say, I did say he's in three episodes of a, Kind of a lost series that's uh, that's a great find for airplane spotters if you're into into slightly older airliners. That was 1970s San Francisco International Airport. Oh, that was with uh, Lloyd Bridges, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the pilot, I, the, the pilot of that movie, which I guess they're all pilots, but um, they, <laughs> bada uh, boom, yeah, yeah. The pilot movie for that series is just hilarious. It's like let's cram as many um, airport memes as we can into one single film, right? But, uh, the kid that stole an airplane and and uh, somebody's hijacking a plane and there's a stowaway and it just I, Arthur Haley could have sued mightily for <laughs> oh no kidding 
But again, when you run down his uh, his resume, you know, if, if you're of a certain age like us, and you know, you remember any television shows from uh, from those you know early to mid, even through the '70s, he was he was on it. Doctor, uh, let's see, let's start with Ironside, Cannon, Bonanza, Mod Squad, <laughs> Medical Center, Hawaii Five-O, Kung Fu, Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. Barnaby Jones police wow. story. So he's the guy that did it, or he, he, actually, he picture I picture him as the police guy that's getting in the way of uh, yeah. Cannon or you know, <laughs> right. Barnaby. Barnaby, this isn't your territory. You, you, know, exactly. you stay on your side of the fence. And uh, uh, a, a show that I actually saw two seconds of uh, of shooting when I was a little kid, The Streets of San Francisco. Oh, cool! And and uh, I have since altered the memory to confirm that I remember Michael Douglas being there uh, on location and, and the, you know, a little side street. I really have no idea if he was or if that's true. But, but anyway, one of, uh, one of Clue's last credits, perhaps surprisingly, perhaps not, is uh, he played a character named Anderson's War Buddy on an episode of Beavis and Butthead. Really? So who would know? Yeah. Then after that, Walker, Texas Ranger, and Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman, kind of today's yeah. today's Virginian. <laughs> we need a guy. Yeah, we need a Clue Gallier uh, type. Oh, we got yeah. him. Okay. Sure. And uh, n- next up is a uh, a name that well I know because well, I used to watch you know we watch him on TV and, and movies, but I've actually met him, and uh, he gave my. Uh, my website, TV Dads, a uh, an early push. He is uh, a great, great guy, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, just a, a wonderful guy. If you ever meet him in person, he's uh, he's really swell and uh, uh, very, very um, giving. It would be the best best word. I had a I had a website. It was late '90s, and uh, he was he played a single dad on TV, and I covered single dads on TV. And his show had gotten canceled, and he actually uh, came out of a press conference to tell me how how he was upset that ABC had canceled his show. And uh, then he did a, a bumper for me for, for, uh, for audio in the days back before multimedia internet. So actually, wow. if, I've got, if I can find it, and I, I will put the, here's the bumper right here. Hi, this is Soul Man and single TV dad Dan Aykroyd, and you are surfing tvdads.com. So that was uh, Dan Aykroyd pushing my, <laughs> my site. That is so um, cool. He's one of those guys I've always wanted to, always wanted to meet. And... You know, you just you, you you try to be rational about it, but I I secretly assume that we're probably friends. It's just yeah. he doesn't know it yet. Yeah, he and, just and he, he hasn't met Hal, but he will. Yeah, <laughs> it'll it'll happen yeah. in in due time. Uh, definitely my favorite cast member from early days of SNL. Yeah, he's he and a brilliant guy. He just he, he's he's really you know I don't want to say the hardest working man in show business, but he's up there. And his sure. wife his wife Donna Dixon is lovely both physically and just. Uh, charming. She's uh, meeting her, her uh, uh, amazing, amazing woman, and oh, right. uh, just very, very eloquent and elegant. And uh, I was just very, very happy to to have met them. I remember her, you know, playing uh, hopefully against type, but unfortunately, probably not uh, in uh, Bosom Buddies. Right? Yeah, she was yeah. the yeah, she was she was, straight, was she was a straight girl in the middle. She was the the object of uh, right. Uh, was it Tom Tom, was Tom it, Hanks? Was it, was it Tom Hanks or was it Peter Scolari's? Uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks was uh, was in love with her, and yeah, and then of course Peter Scolari played his his buddy. Yeah, his sidekick. Um, so. Yes, and then uh, Peter Scolari shows up and stuff in uh, that thing you do and. Yes, 
Yeah, and anyway, uh, cool to and see also in, and from the Earth to the Moon, so we can uh, oh right that yeah. in there too. And uh, then we get to the final credit. We and of course this is definitely a, a lawyer line here of, of a special feature where you say and as somebody, and uh, it's none other than David Bowie, which uh, right. I can't get over that he's in this movie. I, why why are you here, David? I don't, yeah, that I, is a real peculiar left turn, and yet he's he's terrific. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that his credit is shown over a peculiar left turn, a high speed lifter. But uh, yeah, he uh, he's fantastic, and we're we're going to talk a little bit more about him later on. Um, but he uh, he just really knocks it out of the park with this. His, I've never seen him do a comedy before like this. I mean, he, well, kind of. I guess Labyrinth is a bit of a comedy. Yeah, you know. Although what's funny though, when Labyrinth came out, I was about uh, thirteen or fourteen, and uh, musical, but. Um, I took it pretty seriously. I think I took it very much at face at face value, and and loved the movie. You know, you do realize later that there are funnier elements. It's certainly Hoggle, Hogwart, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No relation to uh, the School of Magic plays it for laughs, but uh, I don't know. They, there was and Bowie himself is just so icy and and sinister and and just. He's so completely watchable in that movie. You know, it, it's funny. It's in um, in this film. He 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 kind of plays against type because I mean, I always think of him like as um, you know, the man who fell to earth and just kind of very you know very distant. He doesn't seem like a pers- people person. But in this one, uh, he's almost like a Ricky Gervais character. Yeah, he's just kind of uh, smarmy and you know, it's like a like a car dealer kind of a guy and just kind of. He he wants to be you know he wants to be your buddy and he's uh, you know chuckling about little things right. and stuff and and you expect him to be you know more the Blofeld of the piece you know yeah, sort of the yeah. elegant uh, we mentioned earlier a man behind the curtain you know he's sitting in the overstuffed chair very nettily dressed and sort of quietly running things and you know snapping yeah. his fingers while they do his bidding and that is not him in this movie at all but here he's more like sleazy and just a failure as a you know as a super spy or whatever whatever he is a smuggler right. Or, you know, underworld character, uh, but he he seems to just really glom onto it, and it's just a a, a very e- you know easy to like character. And when you see him, you're like, oh my god, that's David Bowie, <laughs> exactly. And he's doing this. I was just gonna say, you know, one of the things that's that's happening as we're going through these names is, you know, yesterday we talked a little bit about the opening synths and and uh, Tom Toms of Ira Newborn's score, but then we've got uh, we've got BB King singing lyrics, yeah. And uh, which is a which is another thing, sort of you know, blues icon that'll always sort of park in the fifties and sixties, singing over this eighties music is a, a hard one to sort of put together. But hey, he's BB King, and he, he, whatever he does works. I think it's the very first lyric he talks about being caught in a quicksand, and I just I laugh at that because <laughs> there's a meme going around right now that is one of those. As soon as I saw it, I just said, you know, yes, I just, I want to celebrate this and wave it around. And the meme is just shows somebody sort of stuck in quicksand. It says, you know, as a kid and like in the seventies, I really thought quicksand was going to be a much bigger threat in life. (laughs) Yes. Because it was such a trope, sixties and seventies TV shows and movies. Everybody did a quicksand episode. And I think people around our age just grew up thinking, Oh, it's out there. And (laughs) You know, you. I mean, I remember as a kid always thinking, yeah, was, well, what am I going to do? Inevitable, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what am I going to do when I get stuck in yeah, quicksand? I'm carry some rope with me. And yeah, I'm going to have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's got a big stick? Yeah. And, you know, you start digging into it. I, I don't know for sure if there's ever been, like, a, a, a documented <laughs> death from quicksand, if, if there is. 
I do apologize, yeah. and may yeah, they rest no, in sorry. peace. Yeah, sorry about your but, family. Yeah, sorry for your loss. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it just, it, it was a convention. Somebody just sort of, I mean, it is a real thing, of course, but it's a convention somebody came up with, and then just everybody just said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll throw in a quicksand episode, and, <laughs> you know, Lassie or the Rifleman or... Gilligan Island, know, anything, Gilligan. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I can't say for sure if the Brady Bunch did it, like when they were in Hawaii, but it's if, possible. If it, yeah. it was just off camera. It yeah. was, you know, it was just, you had just Vincent working. Price and the big, big yeah. uh, spiders and, and the tiki doll somewhere <laughs> in the back. There was some quicksand too if, uh, that they had to look out for. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 that, that worry was, uh, you know, right up there with that you were going to uh, have a date with two different women and one of them uh, expected you to have a mustache and the other one expected you to have sideburns. And you have to keep right. running into the bathroom and changing into your mustache. And, you're, and one time you'd forget and put the mustache on instead of the sideburns. But, <laughs> exactly. Uh, or getting your fingers st- caught in a bowling ball. That's another. Uh, that was uh, that was another big one, or just getting nuked by the commies. Yeah, or amnesia. You know, you, know, you were going to bump. Oh your head yeah, amnesia really. was another one. That was something everybody everybody has a dose of that at some point in their lives. Ah, oh, well. another one that as a kid you kind of mentally prepare for. Yes, you yes. should write some things down in case I ever get amnesia. Yes, it seems like a plausible thing yeah. for which I should prepare. Well, have you ever have you ever been asked to volunteer as a pilot because everybody ate the wrong thing? I just was wondering. <laughs> you just waiting there to raise your hand? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm... Yes. That's why I always have the chicken when everybody else has the fish. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm ready. I am so ready. Bring mm-hmm. it on. Yes. I'm not typerated, but I can sweat through my forehead if, yes. if I have a cap over it. <laughs> so then we get to the, uh, the also-rans, the you know, people who don't get their own, uh, their, basically the used car lot of, uh, of stars. Uh, none of whom are you know, well. I guess there's one, but uh, uh, these are all big guys. And Bruce Bruce McGill, who has been in everything, and if uh, if you don't know who Bruce McGill is, you haven't been paying attention to this. You, you don't stay for the credits, obviously. But, uh, Bruce McGill will always be a D Day from from Animal House. And oh, I, of course. I, yeah. I can't think. Uh, and he was on everything from you know Lost and. I, I can't even begin to describe. I was in uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. I, I, you know, he's just everywhere. In, and uh, Voyager, Star Trek Voyager. Yep. Uh, he was in Time Cop, which is kind of a guilty, a guilty pleasure yeah. favorite of mine. <laughs> now that I've admitted it, it, it feels kind of hollow. It, you, but... you can, yeah, you got it out of your system. But yeah, he was yeah. he was back there. He was in. You know, I mean. If if you don't know who he is, you you will know who he is. If once you see his face, you go, oh, I know that guy. He was in everything, right? And uh, you know he he's been. Um, I do remember him being on Voyager. I can't remember. Uh, oh, Braxton. He was he was the time yeah. guy that had the psychosis. Yes, yes. Right. And uh, yeah, so he's he's uh, he's yeah everything. We'll leave Bruce. Bruce has a very significant in this and a very wonderful uh, reveal. His his entrance in this movie is epic. So watch for Bruce McGill, and uh, you'll go. Oh, that's Bruce McGill. So you know, oh, coming up guy. in about yeah, coming up in about fifteen minutes. So uh, in the uh, and next we get Carl, Carl Perkins. Who if you don't know Blue Suede Shoes, you haven't been listening to rock and roll. And Carl Carl Perkins showing yeah. up, and this is like, what's he doing here? So he, now, did he do much acting, or is, is it just not that I know of? I'm, I, I sure didn't. I, I haven't I never even. I couldn't even have told you if he was an actor. Until he pops up in this, and then, well, wait a minute. Maybe I've seen him in other things. Yeah, he's, uh, uh, he must be. I mean, he does a great job in this. He just comes across as a great old oh. boy and uh, a very formidable man. For an older guy, he seems even pretty formidable for, uh, I mean, the beauty of acting. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, was, he, he scared me in this movie. 
but a, gr- a great guy. Um, next up, uh, Stacy Pickering as uh, as Jeff Goldblum's uh, wife. I won't say well, long suffering wife because she's got a whole different thing going on. <laughs> um, I've been trying to get sta- I've been trying to reach out. Stacy Pickering is still around in uh, in California, and I've tried to reach out to her to get her on the show, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So I can. I can mention the rest of her life story, which is just very. She had some very odd entries in the on the internet, and uh, she she had quite a relationship with uh, John Voight, the actor John Voight. She was kind of the other woman while uh, uh, John Voight's wife was busy having uh, Angelina Jolie. So it's just kind of um, wow. And and belonged to a um, for lack of a lack of a better term a cult that uh, believed in recruiting men through their women, and it was. Uh, yeah. all kinds of odd stuff going on and I'd rather not get into it but you right. can Google her and find out more about what the internet thinks Carmen Argenziano who plays uh, Stacy's other guy in this movie he's uh, her uh, carpool buddy um, I don't know him at all <laughs> I, I've, I've tried to spot him and think of where I knew him from he's been in a ton of things um, but they're like second here you know like csi kind of stuff and i'm sure that you know he he, he has like a hundred movies behind his name and tv credits he's in everything he was in um he was in the godfather part two and oh, really? uh but he's been in like house party of five uh you know all these different all these different shows perry mason and you know, la law and uh it, it basically a solidly working actor so i i appreciate him being on the screen i just don't know his uh I don't know anything famous about him that was like, oh, that guy. He's um, he you know he this is who he is. He was in uh, the Godfather Part Two. He played Michael's button man number two. So he's just a type that they needed in the movie. So <laughs> good good luck to you, Carmen. Um, that's that's where we kind of leave this minute at the as uh, as as things go it's a it's a there's a lot to well, as we've said many times there is just this is just a, a person spotter's uh person spotter's dream um as we, we've talked about so much you know there, there's so many people to look for in this movie um no spoilers but uh jumping ahead just a little bit and then again at the very end of the film you see a guy named cal worthington and he's actually in the credits as playing himself and when I was a kid, I thought he was uh, uh, like a Seattle area car dealer, but he was he was based in I guess L.A. or it was yeah. Southern California, and he had these awful commercials. And, <laughs> oh, and they awful! Were, they were, I, I, are they? They awful? were they were they were so bad they were just deliriously <laughs> wonderful. And it was you know here's Cal Worthington and his dog Spot, and the dog was always some other animal. It was a seal, yeah. an elephant, a tiger, yeah, a hippo, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, that, that jingle that you'll just never get out of your brain, you know, if you want to go see Cal. Um, and, uh, uh, but in this movie, which I got a kick out of was he's actually wing walking. He's Cal Worthington, the used car dealer, probably the, the pinnacle of all used car dealers, uh, in terms of, of some sort of celebrity. He's on the top wing of a, of a biplane and he's there yelling. And then the biplane rolls over with him really on it. And, you know, good for him for having the guts to get up there and do that. But the reason I have to bring it up is it was a, a super steerman that was uh, owned and flown by a, a famous aerobatic pilot named Joe Hughes. And uh, that very airplane that you will see twice in this movie, in the uh, just in the commercials that, air, that show on the TV and kind of in the background, uh, that very airplane uh, now spends its life about 100 yards from my desk at work. I see that airplane just about every day of my life. So, wow. So uh, that's my... Uh, Seven degrees of into the night, I guess, is 
So if you need I know to see this an airplane, airplane, go see Hal. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks for that. Well, setup, thank you buddy. for that. Okay. <laughs> yes. Hey, you can, you can have it. And, and please take all the credit. Yes. Oh, no, that was excellent. Wow. Um, well, we, we've got lots of minutes to come up. And uh, Hal, you're actually on vacation tomorrow. I'm bringing in just, just for one day only um, my other uh, one of my other co-hosts, uh, uh, perhaps those who have listened to the uh, Airport Minute will have, will know the familiar uh, dulcet t- tones of uh, Mark Cerulli, who's uh, coming in with a guy who knows all about donuts and the reason that you'll find out you'll find out tomorrow about that. But uh, but how we'll, we'll we'll pick it up later on in the week with you. Right, um, and I am uh, I, I have to say that I am I'm jealous not just be- because you're cheating on me with another host. I've <laughs> I've, I've come to accept that from you. It's and an open relationship. Of, yeah. Yes, that that's your that's the lifestyle you've chosen. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but the you're the guest that I know you have lined up for tomorrow. Uh, I wow, yeah, it's, it, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be amazing. So I I, will did, be... I I didn't know we could get them, but we we did, and it's it's no nobody who anybody would have thought we would have gotten. So <laughs> <laughs> the uh, very best kind. Yes, yes, wow. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll pick it up with you again on Thursday. But uh, folks uh, who are listening to this and want to talk back with us about all the stuff we've been chatting about these. Oh my gosh, look at how long this has been forty plus minutes. But we will. Uh, well, if you'd like to talk with us, we are online at the at the social medias. We're on the uh, on the Twitter. The Twitter is uh, Night Minute. Just look for Night Minute, and that, that's us. On Facebook, we've got it on the. Now I have to get this right. It's the King Lives uh, Into the Night Minute listeners limo. It's a lot to type, but just look for the King Lives, and you'll probably find us. And uh, that that name will become self explanatory in about uh, maybe fifteen minutes into this movie, sometime in the Bruce McGill era. So uh, join us there on, on social media. Uh, now, if, uh, if you'd like to uh, catch up on previous episodes, there's only one previous episode, but you can find it out there. It's uh, at our big site, uh, nightminute.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Uh, and as, as is your want, you can uh, go out there, type in uh, Into the Night Minute, and uh, click on subscribe, and you get us delivered hot and fresh Monday through Friday. We are all part of a group called uh, Movies by Minutes, and like like this movie, we take apart a movie one minute, usually one minute of uh, screen time per episode. And so if you like a super deep dive on movies, go check out moviesbyminutes.com. We've got, at the time of this recording, we've got 130 different movies uh, for you to pick out. I'm sure we've got one of your favorites. And, you know, it's uh, as we're recording this, it's early to say uh, for sure because uh, this particular show hasn't been released, but I have found that with other uh, movies by Minute uh, shows, the Rocketeer Minute that we did together and other shows like that. Uh, if you have, I've got to be careful to say her name carefully in my house. If you have a, an Echo device, you can uh, just ask Alexa, play Movies by Minute, or sorry, play the night, Into the Night Minute, play the Apollo 13 Minute, etc. And, uh, and she will pick up on that. That is awesome and also scary. <laughs> you just gotta yes. use use the A word around sparingly. Right, uh, absolutely. Great. Well, well, we will be back uh, tomorrow as we go further into the night. Thank you or what? I'd say I fall in the or what category.